everybody, and welcome to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show on the Basement Podcast. Because again, we're not doing this on 94.5 KULT, everything you and I anymore, so we are trying to find new names for it. And the one that seems to be sticking, at least for the time being, is the Basement Podcast. So we are sitting here in my office in Urbandale, Iowa, just chilling in the basement of my house. Doing a podcast, did it on Mon- did it did it for a week and a day, and then Wednesday came around, and then we didn't have anything because we had projects to do. I had a paper to write, I had a presentation to get ready. I just didn't have time to do a show on Wednesday, so I was just like, "I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do a show on Wednesday." So I'll just move everything I was going to talk about today to Friday, and that is where we are right now. Friday, May first, May Day. 2020, it's so crazy to think about. It feels like spring break was like yesterday where they were just now canceling everything around the sporting world. Like it was all gone. And now we are in May. I've seen this on Twitter a bunch of times, sometimes on Instagram, because, you know, Instagram is pretty much just screenshots of things people said on Twitter nowadays. Like a lot of memes on Instagram are screenshots of what people said on Twitter. And that's why... Twitter is the superior one because it's just a bunch of random crap all over the place. But they've said this on Twitter a bunch of, man, March felt like it was a slow crawl and now we are sprinting to May. I barely remember anything that happened in April. I don't think the NFL draft has come and go as fast as it did this year. It just felt like it came like that. It didn't feel like it was anything, like it didn't feel like I was waiting that long. I would do a mock draft and then... I'd wait a week, and then there was the draft. It felt like the first mock draft I did and the draft were pretty much the next day. The the same day, or one day was mock draft, the next day was the draft. It's crazy to think about. The draft was a week ago. This week went by fast. It's already Friday. How crazy is that to think about? At least to me. Maybe it's not crazy to think about for whoever's listening to this, but it was. it's crazy how fast everything's gone. It's crazy, absolutely crazy. And if you're going to graduate this year, if you go to the bigger universities like the University of Northern Iowa, University of Iowa, Iowa State University, your graduation was, or your last day of school forever is next week for all the smaller private schools like the William Penns of the world, the Grandviews. Um, well, actually, maybe not Grandview. Maybe Grand, Grandview is one of those where I think it's the same week as everybody else, maybe, or they're back with William Penn, but like Evangel down in Missouri, you're gra- You're done with school this week. I hung out with a friend on, when was this? Was it Wednesday night? I think it was Wednesday night. And they were, it was his last day of school. Pretty much last project he had to turn in. So like, man, it's just crazy how fast this year went senior year for a lot of us are sophomore, fr- freshman, junior years, whatever. It just felt like it went super, super fast. Man, crazy thing. We lived in the house up in Cedar Falls, Iowa for two years. That is crazy to think about. Like, I remember when we first talked about moving into the house or moving in together at a get together up in Ames, like in, I, oh, geez. And it never really came to fruition. And then it eventually just happened. And now we are on two years. It feels like yesterday I was going to William Penn for our first, like, introductory week for football and I forgot my football cleats 
at home. <laughs> Thankfully, I only lived an hour away, or still live an hour away from William Penn, so I could just go home. I had my parents come bring my football cleats back the very next day. So it was just a little bit of a, it just feels like it wasn't that long ago, which it really wasn't, but it just feels like yesterday. Like it wasn't that long. It was four years ago, which in some cases seems like a really long time ago. In some cases seems like a very short time ago. And it's just crazy to think about everything that's gone on throughout this time and how fast April went. Jeez. April went at like Usain Bolt Daryl Green speed. Like, it was just insanely fast month. And now we're already in May. May 1st. May Day. And yeah, we are here with another Logan Blackman show. And as we do every single Logan Blackman show, well, now we do a Logan Blackman show. I've done this on Twitter for, I think, the past three weeks. And I've talked about it on the show the past, well, just last week, really, where we did the Disney tier list. Because then we did... First one we did was my favorite sports teams. Then it was draftable quarterbacks. or like first first overall picks in the draft. Then it was Disney movies last week. And now we got another fun one for you. We'll do that in a short little bit. We got the NFL. We are a week and a day past the NFL draft. The first round of the NFL draft. Uh, we got our little preview for next year. The, May, the draft for next year scheduled in Cleveland from April 29th to May 1st. So this, is the last, this will be the last day of the NFL draft come next year. I have my top five quarterbacks for next year's draft, along with some others that were creeping in there, but I didn't eventually throw in there. I have the next Joe Burrow, meaning like a player that went from average to baller in a season. Got that prediction. Uh, I look at the rookie numbers that we've had, some jerseys that haven't been given out, but like Tua's number, we make speculations about what his number could be. Joe Burrow losing his mentor, a pay, well, supposed mentor, at least what I thought would be the mentor, in Andy Dalton getting released from Cincinnati. We'll talk about that. Aaron Rodgers, is this his last go-around with the Green Bay Packers? And we got some more stuff to talk about after that. Before we dive into all of that, we've got some breaking news. It was breaking news yesterday, but since this is a podcast recorded on a Friday... Uh, it's not. There's really not a lot of breaking news unless I get an update right now saying something. But the Space Jam logo has been released. It was leaked yesterday, or released yesterday by LeBron James on his Instagram feed, and it looks pretty nice. It's called Space Jam: A New Legacy, which is coming out sometime next year. Of course, you got all the Looney Tunes in there, like the original Space Jam, the title, the the like cover of the movie. Michael Jordan, Bugs Bunny. LeBron James, Bugs Bunny. Just like the old one. This one, much like the old one as well, has a few NBA players in there. With the original Space Jam, you had Muggsy Bose, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, Sean Bradley, and Larry Johnson. This one, we got Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, and Klay Thompson. Those are the only ones that we know are going to be in there. There could be more. There could very well be more NBA stars in this movie. But for right now, we don't know. I don't know why the Monstars would go. Like, if you were picking NBA players, why would you go after Sean Bradley and Muggsy Bowes? I have never understood that. Charles Barkley, prime Larry Johnson, and Patrick Ewing, beast of players. Amazing basketball players, those three. Muggsy Bowes was five foot three, 
He was good. That's not discount. That's not discrediting anything Muggsy Bowes did. Muggsy Bowes is a very good basketball player. But of all the other players you could chosen at that time, why did you choose Muggsy? Why didn't you choose like John Stockton or something like that or Gary Payton? Why not one of those guys? Why did you choose John? Why did you choose Muggsy Bowes? You, and then for Sean Bradley, like you could chose Hakeem Olajuwon, Dikembe Mutombo, like some actual legendary, very good player. Sean Bradley. Great shot blocker, but you couldn't find a... I mean, he's just tall and skinny. He's just a stereotypical basketball player. Tall, skinny dude that can block shots. That's pretty much it. But he made the move. You could have gotten Shaq in there. Oh, Shaq and Space Jam. If the Monstars went out with the team featuring Gary Payton, then you had... Oh, crap. Who else did I even say? Charles Barkley, Larry Johnson, Patrick Ewing, and Shaq. Good Lord, they would have not... The the Toon Squad would not have been able to handle the Monstars. But thankfully, they had to even the playing field by choosing the Muggsy Bows and the Sean Bradley again. Not discrediting what those players did, but you could have gotten some better players. And this is also this is a random point that I wasn't really planning on bringing up. But on Twitter the other day, uh, a guy that I knew from when I worked at On Press Row, he was the guy I re- quote-unquote replaced at on press row his name is joel water so if you want to go follow him on twitter go ahead and do that and he tweeted something at me when was this wednesday night like it was or actually thursday morning 12 22 thursday morning luckily i was awake at the time but i didn't want to tweet it out then he said only using the first letter of your first name make the best possible nba starting five now he went with his name starts of course a j he had Jerry West, James Harden, Jimmy Butler, John Saley, and Joel, Joel Embiid. Julius Irving could have been, should have been in there. And this is a little bit of a, a lot of people don't understand. Like, I get why he put him here at the point guard spot. Jerry West wasn't a point guard until his last few seasons in the NBA. Jerry West was a two guard, which is a common misconception because a lot of people consider him one of the best point guards of all time. He was not a point guard. Until his later NBA career. He was a shooting guard. But I see why you put him at point guard there. John Stockton would have probably been my choice at point guard maybe. Because he's actually a pure point guard. Maybe move Jerry to shooting guard. But there's a lot of people you could throw in. There's a lot of great players with the name Jay. Julius Irvin. John Stockton in there as well. You got some good players with the name Jay. And then you had some other people responding. He added three other people in this along with myself. Um, uh, Michael Mullis, who's the head coach of the Cedar Valley Court Kings, put Mamadou, Muhammad Abdul Rauf. I've never been able to pronounce his name. Michael Jordan, Mitch Richmond, Moses Malone, and he put Magic Johnson, which I wouldn't count because that's not his first name. Magic Johnson's first name does not start with an M. Starts with an E. Irvin Magic Johnson. His nickname's Magic. So I don't know if we can count that. I don't know if we can really count that one. It's a a sticky situation there with Magic Johnson. But I guess there's no problems there. Uh, Jake Martinez tweeted Jason Kidd, Jamal Crawford, Jimmy Butler, Julius Irvin, Joakim Noah. There's one there. Andrew Scheele. Uh, Anthony Hardaway, for those who don't know, Penny Hardaway, uh, Allen Iverson, Adrian Dantley, Anthony Davis, Alonzo Mourning. Now, this guy understands it, 
Allen Iverson, again, although a lot of people think this as well. It's like the Jerry West thing. Allen Iverson was not a point guard. Allen Iverson was a shooting guard. He was an off-ball dominant. If you look at the point guards that they had on those 76ers team, Eric Snow was the starting point guard. I think Aaron Mickey was another point guard on those teams. All bigger than tiny little, and I'm not, I shouldn't say tiny because I'm as tall as Allen Iverson. If we go off listed height, I'm as tall as Allen Iverson. He's not, I don't think he's six foot. But yeah, Allen Iverson was a two guard. Now L, when I first looked at the letter L, I was nervous. I was like, wouldn't it? The first person, I hate myself for thinking this. I The first person I thought of was Luke Babbitt. <laughs> Luke Babbitt was the first player I thought of when I was looking at L names. Not some obvious ones, which I did end up putting on my list because they sparked into my mind before I tweeted it out. But I had, so when I played 2K with my friends, I choose, because there was time when I was younger, I would run the show in 2K. No one could topple me in 2K. I haven't played 2K in years. I haven't bought a 2K in forever. I think the last one I bought was 2K17. I haven't bought in a 2K in a while. But I used to run the show in 2K. And I would always choose... I would choose a team that I thought would have a funny player on it. So I would choose, like, at the time, who was, what team was he on? The Trailblazers, I think, was the team he was on at the time. Maybe it was the Heat. But when we'd play that, like, I'd choose random players. Like, I would try to go off with Kendrick Perkins if I was on the Thunder. Hashim Thabit. Like, those Thunder teams, if you wanted to make a joke lineup, that was your team. <laughs> the Oklahoma City Thunder... Of course, you had, like, Russell and KD on the team, but you could throw in Hashim Thabit, Kendrick Perkins, Tabo Cephalosha. Like, you had some meme-worthy players on those teams. The Trailblazers teams, Pat Connaughton was mine. So when I heard Pat Connaughton was in the NBA dunk contest, I was laugh. I was rolling. Pat Connaughton was one of my joke players I would use for <laughs> 2K because he could shoot. I remember I was playing one time. I was the Cavaliers on NBA Live 19. And Spencer, one of my good friends, said, uh, can you not score with Kevin Love? He's one of my favorite players. Can you not score with him? I'm joking around. So I didn't score with Kevin Love. I stopped scoring at 69 points at the end of the third quarter just for meme purposes and still won the game. Only won by two, but still won. If you go from the third quarter to the end of the game without scoring a single point, you're pretty much go, but I would go off Luke Babbitt. My fantasy basketball name was always the Babonic Plague. Like, I would go off with Luke Babbitt. Luke Babbitt was my background on my phone for about a year. <laughs> I loved Luke Babbitt, and I hate myself that that was the first name I came up with. But my team was, at point guard, LeBron James. Now, there could be a stipulation that LeBron is the starting point guard for the L.A. Lakers. That was pretty much announced at the start of the season. So if you say he's a small forward, he's a power forward, LeBron is the starting point guard of the Lakers, and I will not have it any other way. Luka Doncic was my starting shooting guard. He plays point guard, like brings it up the court. He's a listed shooting guard. So I will not have that as well. Luka Doncic at shooting guard. Larry Legend, Larry Bird at small forward. That's it's, Just look at that front. Look at that first three. LeBron Doncic and Larry Bird, who was taking down this team? And then down low, I had LaMarcus Aldridge. And then this one's kind of a technicality. I put Lou Alcindor. For those of you who don't know, that is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 
But his name, his given name is Lou Alcindor. He went by Lou Alcindor when he was at UCLA and dominated. So I gave myself that. I almost put it, I was, I had Luke Longley in as my center, but then I saw Lou Alcindor and had to change it. Now, again, for meme purposes, I almost put LaMarcus Aldridge at center and Luke Babbitt at power forward or LeBron James at power forward, Luke Babbitt at point guard, because that's probably the team I would play. But I'm going with my Lou Alcindor one. That team, out of this name thing, I said that I said I'll take my team against anybody's. LeBron Doncic, Larry Bird, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Lou Alcindor. There is nobody that is beating my team. Nobody. L's are loaded with names. I didn't realize that when I first got the notification about the tweet. I did not realize how loaded the letter L was in NBA names. And I hate myself that I thought of Luke Babbitt before anybody else. Larry Nance Sr. was one I thought about throwing in here. But, again, this team is just Luke Ridenour. Another one there. This team is just dominant. I could throw a whole team of L names. Larry Johnson, who I mentioned earlier, I almost rotated him with LaMarcus Aldridge. But LaMarcus has been more has been a more consistent player over a longer period of time than Larry Johnson was. Larry Johnson was a beast for about seven years and then retired. But LaMarcus Aldridge has been dominant. I almost put Larry Johnson in. But that team is goaded. LeBron, Luka Doncic, Larry Legend, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Lou Alcindor. I'm not having any name. If you think your name matches the L names, good luck. Good luck. I ain't, I ain't doing that. I'm not. Ta- you can take your your S's, your M's, your J's, your K's, your what other name? What other letters have historic? Your D's. You are not beating my starting five of L's. LeBron, Luka Doncic, Larry Legend, Lamarcus Aldridge, Lou Alcindor. Again, technicality. Don't care. His name was Lou Alcindor at one point or another. So we're counting it. And again, I know you all are going out there and probably saying, Logan, this is the same thing as the magic thing. One, he goes by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And two, his first name's not even really Lou. It's Ferdinand, <laughs> which I did not know until I looked it up. And because I was like, how did he spell Because I didn't want to spell it wrong. I didn't know if it was like L-O-U or L-E-W, like, I, like it is spelled. His name is Ferdinand Lewis Alcindor. But again, he went by Lou. So we're taking the points. It's the same thing with the Magic one. If we're counting Magic, we're counting Lou Alcindor. And my team will crush every single team that comes out. It's not, it's not even a contest. Not even a contest between my team and other teams. So I had to get that one out of there. That I wasn't even planning on really talking about the my L team. But we were talking about LeBron James. I had to talk about it. We're talking about Space Jam. I had to. I just had to talk about it. But let's get into what we really wanted to do at the start of the show. Let's do our little tier list, I guess. And this tier list is awesome. I found this on accident. I really wanted to do this tier list. And it's an awesome tier list. I wanted to do something with the state of Iowa. I wanted to do something with Iowa. I wanted to do Midwestern states just so I could throw... Nebraska in the very bottom category, not even put them on the thing. But all of the things I saw with Midwest states, 
Like they were so blown. Like you couldn't tell which state was which. Like it, they were so blown up. You couldn't make out the state. Like, is that Nebraska? Is that, what is that? What state is that? But it was, so I didn't end up going with that one. I went with Iowa universities, but they didn't have William Penn on it. So I was like, then Ellsworth community college and didn't have William Penn. Like what? You got to throw the Statesman in there. One of the best basketball schools in the NAI, consistent sporting programs all around William Penn, much like the UNI Panthers with football, basketball, all the sports, very consistent. But there are some sports that struggled like at UNI. We're not going to mention those names, but consistency is what William Penn is. Even like UNI, look at all the coaches. They've all been there for years. Henry with basketball, Coach Hafner with football. The baseball coach, I don't know if he's still there, but he was there for like 35 years or something, if he's still there. But got to have William Penn in the college one. So I found this one, and it was one I found similar to another one. It was fast food change in the Midwest. But I didn't know what, like, some of these I've never been to. Like, so I was like, I can't do this one. I can't fairly place Zaxby's on this. I've never had Zaxby's, so I can't go, oh, Zaxby's is decent. I've never had it. So I couldn't put on five guys. I've never had it. We have one in West Des Moines now, but I've never had it. And then I searched Iowa tier list. Fast food Iowa tier list. This has all the goaded spots. Minus one is if I know it doesn't have tasty tacos, which you know what? We'll, we'll accept. We'll, we'll put them out. It's fine. But you have one that is key. And the key one, let's go in order here. Let's go in order through this. There's quite a bit of uh, things on this tier list that we could throw on. Like A&W is the one that starts it off. The A&W burgers are very good. A&W is, I would say it's decently underrated. It's always next to a Long John Silver's. Wherever you go, 90% of the time, an A&W is by Long John Silver's. Unless you're like Indianola, which I think there's a standalone A&W. But... They're usually next to a Long John Silver, but A&W, I'm going to throw in the decent cat because it's good. It's a guy, it's a good place. It's a good, decent burger joint. Got root beer for days there. So you got to throw in the decent one. Next one is Arby's. Uh, Arby's gets mixed opinions all across the globe. Like, you see people all the time going, oh, I hate Arby's. Oh, Arby's so fatty. How can you just eat roast beef? But curly fries, goaded. Roast beef sandwich, goaded. I get the same. I've gotten the same thing at Arby's since I was like, I don't know, five. Like it's just been the consistency, and it's tasted the same my entire life. I went with um, a good friend from William Penn, Justin, to an Arby's in I think it was in Atumwa. It might have been in Atumwa. He got like this mystery sandwich. It was one of the biggest freaking things. It was so, it was so, I didn't know, like, it was a secret menu item or something. So I would recommend saying, like, if you want to try it, I would go up to an Arby's and go, like, hey, can I have the secret menu item, the sandwich thing? I don't remember what it's called because I was a sophomore when we went, but that thing was huge. Maybe I was just, maybe I was a freshman. I don't remember, but that thing was huge. But Arby's has to go in the good tier. So I, I should have said this first. There's an elite, good, decent, bad, and awful tier. And we have just came across our first elite one. If you are from the central Iowa area, 
which I know a lot of you who are well, not well maybe some maybe there's a good decent amount of you that are from the central Iowa area but if you're not let me just explain this to you you might like McDonald's you may like Burger King you may like whatever burger joint you might like smash burger for all I care there is nothing there is not a single place in this entire world that tops Bebop's Bebop's is the greatest burger place of all time. I refuse to hear otherwise. If you are in the group that says it's not, you are not, you are either a not from Iowa, which I have converted so many people that are not born in Iowa to Bebop's before every football game in high, our senior year of high school, myself, T-Boy and my sister who was our running back at the time would go to Bebop's for every game. He'd never have Bebop. He got addicted to Bebop's. It was crazy. Bebop's elite. No question. I have one right by my house. It's right up Meredith. If you leave my neighborhood and turn left on Meredith, you will run into it. And it's always packed. You can't even go in there. And except the one in uh, West Des Moines, which, feel, which feels weird. I didn't like it. I went there one time with my friend Noah and I didn't like it. It just felt wrong. <laughs> you have to sit either outside or take it home. That's the Bebop's way. But Bebop's undoubtedly the best burger place in the world. I refuse to hear otherwise. Amazing. Elite. No, unchallenged and elite. Now, I don't know what this one is. It says drive-in. I can't even read it. It's the sign. It's a, it's a picture of a sign. It's got a barrel. It says drive-in. Is it just called Barrel? Is that a thing? Barrel Restaurant, Iowa? It's in Dubuque. Is it called the Apple Barrel Restaurant? Barrel House? I don't I don't know what this is. I've never heard of this place before. It's not Cracker Barrel, is it? Can't be Cracker Barrel. I gotta find, oh, here it is. Iconic Clear Lake Restaurant in Mason City, The Barrel. Are any of you from Mason City? Because I'm not, so I don't really know what this is. The Barrel Drive-In. This looks like um, a Chili King that we have over in Des Moines. That's what it kind of resembles. But I've never been here. I don't know what this is. I... I'm not going to put it on the tier list because, I don't. again, I don't know what it is. Next one, Burger King. I think Burger King's underrated. I love their fries. Whoppers are amazing. Uh, the, the Impossible Whopper is kind of gross when you think about it. It's just a, basically a bean burger soaked in Whopper juice. Like It is disgustingly gross thinking about it. It's not even that much healthier than a regular one, but we don't go to Burger King for the health. We go for the decent food. Burger King is very decent. Carl's Jr., again, decent. Carl's Jr. and Hardee's, I throw on the same thing. They're pretty much the same thing. Chick-fil-A, now this is where I got to put it in Elite. I can't put Chick-fil-A the same thing as Arby's. Can I? No. Chick-fil-A, if you pulled random people, if you just walked up to random people and asked, asked them who or what is your favorite fast food place, I would guess about 80 to 90% of them would say Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A 
it's goaded. Around the world, it's goaded. Everybody loves Chick-fil-A. Bebop's, I wish there was another tier. Because I can't have anything with tier on Bebop's, but I can't put Chick-fil-A. So I cannot consciously put Chick-fil-A in the same thing as Arby's. I cannot do that. I would get murdered by everybody. But Bebop's is just, I got, I got to put them on the same thing. Chipotle, bad. I do not like Chipotle. There's always some health code violation in there. There's always some sick bill they got to pay. Chick-fil-A is gross, to say the least. Their burritos are not fresh. They just do that press thing. It's like if I threw a tortilla in a microwave, that's essentially what they do at Chick-fil-A or at Chipotle, which my sister sometimes calls Chipotle. But it is not that good. The rice is good, but it makes you feel bloated after like 20 minutes. But if you want to get sick, go to Chipotle. I don't, I'm thinking about throwing it in awful, but it does have some decent things, but bad is where it is. Uh, Culver's goes in good. Culver's is a good restaurant. I would go there after church on Wednesday night. It was my church crew, and we would go to Culver's. We would get chicken fingers. Well, I would get the chicken tenders. Chicken tenders from Culver's are amazing, especially with honey mustard. Then you get a concrete mixer after that. Whew! Or there's the Scoopies thing. Butter burgers are good. They got Culver's just good, a good, a good underrated restaurant to me. Dairy Queen, I think Dairy Queen's overrated. First off, their ice cream's not that good, but their chicken tenders are amazing. There's a, there is still a Dairy Queen right next or near the old high school at Johnston. Now the middle school, now Wallace Elementary and stuff like that. We would go. They're expensive, but those chicken tenders and French fries are so good. They throw a piece of Texas toast in there. Oh, them is so good. They're underrated for their food. Their ice cream. I. They're, it's really weird to think about Dairy Queen. Their ice cream is extremely overrated. Their food is extremely underrated, which is weird to think about because they're known as being Dairy Queen, like ice cream, but their food is very underrated ice cream overrated so i put it in the decent one uh firehouse subs i have mixed feelings about firehouse subs but i am gonna throw it in the decent category it's just decent i mean there's nothing special about it i've they i didn't go to one until i went to you and i because there's one right down university around like the high v area and so i went there a few times i got good sandwiches but the last time i went there the sandwich wasn't very good, and the chips were like four months old, and it was not a great experience when I went there for the last time, but overall, my experience has been decent. I think it's pretty decent. Uh, five Guys, this is, again, a one that I've never been to. We have one over in West Des Moines now, and I've just never been. I think they do something with peanut oil over there, so we've never been there as a family because my sister is really allergic to peanuts, but... Yeah, I've never been to Five Guys, so I can't consciously put it anywhere because I don't know what it is. Um, Hardee's, I mean, it's the exact same thing as Carl's Jr.'s. Like, why would I throw it on a good cat? It's the exact same thing. Their biscuits are good. Their chicken tenders are really good. It's the same exact thing as Carl's Jr. I don't really know what the difference is. If somebody knows, please tell me because I really do not. I am unaware of what the difference is between Carl's Jr. and Hardee's. Maybe you're a diehard Carl's Jr. or Hardee's fan. You know the difference. But as a casual goer there, and I don't go there that often, 
it's the same thing pretty much. Jimmy John's, oh, jeez, Jimmy John's is either good or elite. Because those delivery things, when you just don't want to go anywhere, and you just plop in a Jimmy John's order, you know how much, t- how many times Jimmy John's saved me my freshman year at William Penn? I ordered Jimmy John's so freaking much, and I kind of got made fun of for it when people would come into our dorm room. But Jimmy John's has to be an elite. The delivery thing that they do a veto sandwich is so delivery is just perfect. I know there's a bunch of delivery services now. Jimmy John spearheaded the the sandwich game with the delivery. I might just throw it down in good because is it the same level? This is where we're gonna get off here. This is the this is the problem with tier list. Like yes, I love Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's is a very good place, but is it on the same level as Bebop's and Chick Fil A? That's where we start to tally off a little bit. It's more on the level of Culver's and Arby's, to be honest. But the delivery thing, that is the key thing here. I'm going to throw it in good. I mean, I'm going to throw it in good just for right now. KFC is decent. Uh, Yeah, it's de- every Chick-fil-A I go to is dirty. It doesn't matter where it is. You could be going to downtown Chicago, like, and you could be going there. You could be going to the one on Merle Hay. You could be going to the one in Cedar Falls. They're just dirty and gross. The food makes you feel gross after you eat it, and you start sweating this nasty smell after you eat it. It's kind of gross, but it tastes good, so we'll count it. Long John Silver's is just because I don't like fish. goes in the awful category. Fast food fish does not sound good ever. I have never once in my entire life craved fast food fish. Long John Silver's is cemented at the bottom of this thing. I have never liked Long John Silver's. I ever will like Long John Silver's. Fast food fish scares me, and the smell in there is just, no. Let's just move on. McDonald's, they're in the good category. McDonald's gets like a, um, I don't know what you want to call it. Ever since Super Size Me, ever since everyone watched Super Size Me in like middle school to early high school, the opinion on McDonald's kind of changed. But you cannot pretend you don't like McDonald's. I mean, McDonald's breakfast is goaded. Like, it is the best breakfast, fast food breakfast you can get. I think Taco Bell's breakfast is underrated. I love getting the Crunchwrap burrito. That is so good. It's it's amazing. The Crunchwrap at breakfast time is amazing. But McDonald's started the breakfast game with the, the McMuffin. The McGriddle, like they, the chicken griddle is very good as well. That's a new thing that McDonald's is doing. The sausage burrito. You know how many sausage burritos we consumed in quarterback meetings at William Penn? Coach Hafner would run up with a big old bag of sausage burritos. They're like $2 or something, maybe a dollar, and plop those on the table. They're so good. Like They're just so easy to eat. You can eat like five of them at one time and not feel disgusting about yourself. And then there are other stuff like a McDouble, a quarter pounder with cheese, Big Mac, chicken nuggets, chicken tender, the buttermilk chicken tenders they got now. McDonald's, you can pretend you don't like it. There's nothing bad about McDonald's. Well, there, well, no, I shouldn't say that. There's a lot of stuff bad about McDonald's, but McDonald's is still good. Ponchero's, um, elite. I think it has to be elite, doesn't it? Uh, because 
if you get a burrito from Monchero's, it always tastes good. Now, it's very off, very rare. It doesn't taste really good. The burrito shells are fresh every time. They come in that little dough ball, and they press it down and throw it on the little stovetop thing. The and for, To my knowledge, they have not had any health outbreaks, so that's a very good positive check mark for them. They're all over the place. I think the one in Johnston is the best Poncheros out there. My roommates, notably Steven, are obsessed with Poncheros. I got tired of Poncheros because how much we ate there, but I don't think I've met somebody that does not like Poncheros. There, there's Okay, here's the things. like There's people that like Chipotle more than Poncheros, but here's let's just go over this. Are the Chipotle burritos fresh or shells fresh or the tortillas fresh? No. They throw those things in the little press thing, heat them up. That's it. You always get some sort of like hard part in the tortilla shell at Chipotle. You don't get that at Poncheros. There's, to my, again, to my knowledge, there's not been a health crisis at Poncheros or let alone multiple health crises at Poncheros. There's never been a Chipotle burrito lift at Iowa Hawkeye games. It's the Poncheros burrito lift. So again, there's another one. Now, the only negative I could see on Poncheros is that the burritos can fall apart pretty fast. But that's the that's the you have you can't not everything can be perfect. There has to be some downfalls to that. And sometimes when you pre- fresh press a burrito and use Bob the tool, because there's another thing with Chipotle, they just throw it all in the burrito and then you're good to go. You could have, you have to ask them. Now they could have changed this. I haven't been there in years, but you have to ask them to move the stuff around with like the little Bob the Tool thing. Ponchero's been doing that. Ponchero's been doing that. You can eat your Ponchero's burrito without the tinfoil on it, unlike Chipotle. Otherwise, the whole thing will fall apart. They're not comparable, really. And the chips and salsa, great. The Sprite up at the one in Johnston is, for some reason, very good. Like, better than normal Sprite. Ponch is goaded. Like, they're not comparable. I don't care if you like Chipotle. They're not comparable. Like No health crisis, fresh tortillas, better food. Their rice doesn't make you feel sick after five minutes. You're definitely not going to get a coli from Boncheros, at least in my experience. Maybe now that I've jinxed it, but knock on, knock on wood there. But, yeah, Panda Express is good. I almost put that up in Elite. I ate that so much my first year at William Penn. Here's my schedule. My first semester at William Penn, or at William at uh, you and I, not William Penn. I would go to class. I had my radio show. It was more second semester than first semester, but I would have my radio show, or I would go to class. Right after that, I'd go to my radio shows. So I didn't really have a big like window where I could eat something. Right after my radio show, more often than not, I would drive up university, go to Panda Express, come back home, sit in my room and eat it. It's so good. But the thing that knocked it down from elite to good, it knocked my tooth out because I had a spring roll there and it popped my fake tooth out. So, and it did that co- conveniently at like 5.15 on a Friday. One reason that's convenient is because the dentist office closed at 5. And another thing that's convenient is that they don't open up until Monday. So I went from 5 o'clock Friday until about 11 o'clock on Monday with no tooth in my mouth. That did get me out of DJ and dance dance or um not dance dance revolution. Uh, what is that thing called? Oh crap! What is that thing called that you and I the dance thing? Dance dance marathon. I got out of that because I couldn't talk. I I have a lisp when I talk without my tooth in. Like it's not very noticeable. It sounds like that. It's not that noticeable, but 
That's what keeps it good to elite. Panera, uh, good. Panera with their bread bowls, oh, man, delicious. It's always a perfect place to study. It's always a perfect place to do work. It's always a good place to get stuff done. The salads are good. The bre- the bagels, mwah, goaded, much like the McDonald's breakfast. They're just good. They're just good place. Popeye's, um, again, this is where we're following that thing. I think Popeye's is better than KFC, but I don't think it's as good as the other places. I like Popeye's. It's not disrespect to Popeye's, but I can't put it up with the other. The, like, if you look at the other things, is Popeye's on the same level as McDonald's, Jimmy John's, or Panda Express? No. Is it on the same level as KFC? No, it's somewhere in between, but too bad we don't have that, so I got to throw in the decent category. Popeye's is decent. They got very good sauces. The fries are good, and the chicken's good. But, yeah, it's just, there's just on there's just levels to this, and I can't th- consciously throw it up with the same. It's like the Chick-fil-A thing. I don't want to put it up with Bebop's, but it's definitely way better than Arby's, so I can't consciously put Chick-fil-A and Arby's on the same one. So, I had to put Chick-fil-A with Bebop's. Quiznos, underrated, but it's decent. The Italian, the torpedoes you could get at Quiznos were so good. There's not a lot of Quiznos around here anymore. I can't honestly tell you where there's a Quiznos anymore, but for that short time, Quiznos was awesome. They were challenging likes of Subway. They were down challenging likes of Jimmy John's, but they're now not anymore because they don't really they're not really around anymore. Canes, uh, Canes makes me feel gross after I eat it. It tastes very good. But there's always this weird feeling after I eat it that doesn't make me too, feel too good. I love the cane sauce. I love the chicken. I love the fries. I love the I love the Texas toast. But another thing with canes making me feel bad after I eat it, the other thing that holds canes off of a good category is they got like five things on their menu. And it's all variations of the same thing. Oh, jeez. And another thing my dad doesn't like, they don't have any other sauces. They only have cane sauce. They might have ketchup now, but I don't like ketchup, and neither is my dad. So it's there the the limited amount of things you can get there is what keeps it in the decent category, other than good, because it tastes really good. But it's got like five things. You only get one sauce, and it makes me feel gross after I eat it. So I gotta I gotta put it decent. Sonic, if we're being honest, Sonic is bad. The like. I don't know. Sonic could be indecent as well, but I don't know. We'll have to think about that one a little bit. I went to Sonic a lot during the summer with the aforementioned church friend group that I said I we went to Culver's a lot. We would go there after 8 o'clock and get some half-price shakes. Well, the shakes are awesome, but the food's not amazing, and the service isn't always that great either. But I'm going to throw it in the decent. I changed my mind. I'm going to throw it in the decent category. Because it is decent. It's not bad. I shouldn't say that. I think it's got its qualities. Scott, I can't go much more in-depth than that. Uh, Steak and Shake, it's decent. I think it's a little overrated. But it's it's just straight-up decent. Uh, Yeah, I think that's all I could put there for Steak. And I've been there like twice, so I can't really give that huge of a thing for it. But it's, yeah, it's just decent. Subway, good. Almost an elite almost an elite but yeah i have to put it's on the same level as jimmy i like both of them the same subway and jimmy john's i can't throw one i can't i don't know which one i like more than the other i like both of them about equal 
if I want a hot sandwich, my sister made this example last week. If I want a hot sandwich, go to Subway. If I want a cold sandwich, go to Jimmy John's. That is exactly how I feel. And I'm upset Jersey Mike's isn't on here because, honestly, I think Jersey Mike's is better than both of them. But Jersey Mike's ain't on here. And that might be a controversial take, but I love myself some Jersey Mike's. I love getting my sandwiches Mike's way. But Subway and Jimmy John's are the same level as me, or for to me. So I had to put them there equally on good. Taco Bell, elite. Ta- unquestionably elite. Taco Bell is extremely cheap, and it always fills you up. They always got some deal to do. It is the perfect meal for college students. You don't know how many times my roommate and I, Brett, went to Taco Bell at like 11 o'clock at night because he knocks on my door and goes, hey, Logan, you want to go get some T-Bell? Yeah, I'm down. Go to T-Bell. I haven't had T-Bell outside of the breakfast realm in a while, but Taco Bell, when they put one over in Johnston or in Urbandale, it's right next to the interstate, so I can't tell if it's Johnston or Urbandale, but when they put that there, it was awesome. You'd go there for lunch, and oh, no, you'd miss the next period, but you went to Taco Bell. Taco Bell is in the elite category for the prices. The breakfast is good. It's just all around. And then now we got Taco John's. Taco John's goes in the good category. It, it's a little more pricey than Taco Bell, but Taco John's always tastes good. The potato lays are amazing. I get the street tacos with chicken. They get a little lime on top of that. The sauces are awesome there, but again, it's just a little bit more overpriced. If you're a college student, Taco Bell is above taco job but they are very close in my book if i want a taco like a normal taco i'm going to taco john's if i want a burrito or any other if i want to experiment with my food i go to taco bell baja blast is another thing that taco bell has over taco john's they're very close but we got them there and then wendy's uh decent if you don't get stuff on your burger they're the most plain burgers i've ever had in my entire life. Their chicken nuggets are very good. Their honey mustard is very good. Frosties are very good. I might throw that up in good. But their burgers are so freaking plain that it's like, if you don't get a sauce on there, you're not getting anything. The fries are good. The frosties are good. The chicken nuggets are good. But if you, the main thing that people judge them on is the Baconator. If you don't get fries or stuff, or if you don't get ketchup on it, or any other sauce on it, it is the driest thing you'll eat forever. I haven't been to Wendy's in a while. Last time I went to Wendy's, I think I was coming back with my dad from a Hawkeye game. And we stopped at Wendy's. And then he hasn't been to Wendy's in a while until we got him and my sister stopped home. When was it? The Friday, last week. I, it was actually last week. I think it was right before day two of the draft started. Him and my sister walked in with some Frosties. So then we got our Frosties. That's the last time I had Wendy's. But that is what I think my tier list looks like uh yeah long john silvers is awful i don't care what anybody says i don't like fish i don't like fat definitely don't like fast food fish so if you don't if you see this tier list and get mad at me you're just gonna have to listen to the podcast and if you're not listening to the podcast now you're just gonna continue to be mad at me uh chipotle is bad i don't want to get some disease and some illness from eating my burrito and they're not fresh pressed burritos decent a and w burger king carl's jr hardy's same thing Dairy Queen, Firehouse, KFC, Popeyes, Quiznos, Kane, Sonic, Steak and Shake, and Wendy's. They're all decent. Actually, I, I need... I don't know if I can throw Wendy's up and I think I can throw... I'm going to throw Wendy's up and good. Wendy's is good. I'm going to say that. Their Wendy's is good. 
I not I don't get their burgers there. I don't I've never really been a huge fan of their burgers, but Frosties, the fries, the chicken nut, those are those are good. Uh good category Arby's, Culver's, Jimmy John's, McDonald's, Panda Express, Panera, Subway, Taco John's and Wendy's. And then Elite's I don't think I think this is the perfect elite category. Bebop's, Chick-fil-A, Poncheros, and Taco Bell. I think those are the perfect elite ones. And then I've never been to Five Guys and I've never even heard of the Barrel Restaurant, Barrel Drive Up. So I'm not even going to put those guys on the list. So yeah, that is my tier list now. This went very long, but I hope it was enjoyable to listen to because I had fun going through the tier list. It was kind of, it was enjoyable looking at all these fast food places that I've been to and go like, man. When's the last time I went here and critiqued these fast food places? If you don't like what I said, and if you don't, if you get mad at me on Twitter, I'm going to link this podcast down below or say go listen to the podcast so you don't get mad at me so you can actually hear me explain why I said what I said. And with that being said, we're going to take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. We'll come back. We got some NFL to talk about. We are a week and a day past day one of the draft. I got my top five quarterbacks for next year's draft. I also got the next Joe Burrow and look at some of the other rookie quarterbacks from this year's class along with some Andy Dalton, Cam Newton talk. So with that being said, stay tuned for more Logan Blackman show right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman show here on the Basement Podcast, not 94.5 KULT, everything you and I. This is the Basement Podcast, where we sit and talk about sports in my basement. And right now, here in Urbandale, Iowa, it's 72 degrees and sunny. Uh, it don't look that sunny outside. I got a tiny little window I can look out in my basement. or not? It's not a tiny window, but I got a tiny slot in this window that I can look out of because the blinds are covering most of it. It's not that sunny outside. It's pretty it's pretty cloudy if I had to choose. But again, I'm not the weatherman. I can't decide all that stuff. Right now, 72 degrees, a high of 80, which should come around later in the day. Surprisingly, it's going to be around 79, around 3, and last that until about 7. So look out for those highs of 80. Winds coming out of south-southeast at 18 miles an hour. Air quality is good. Feels like 72, and it does. It feels decently nice outside. It just doesn't... Look that nice outside. Right now, if you're listening up in Cedar Falls, 72 degrees as well. High of 76. Feels like 72. There's a 10% chance of rain. It's come, Winds coming to the south-southeast. It's 14 miles an hour. I didn't check for a chance of rain in Urbandale. There's a 10% chance as well. For your weekend this week, on May 2nd and May 3rd, it's going to be 75 and 76 degrees. And on Monday... It'll be 69 degrees and rainy. So we'll have some rain in the forecast, but the rest of the week looks partially partly cloudy for the rest or mostly sunny, however you want to look at it. But yeah, we got some in the mid to high 60s for this next week, 69, 67, and then 62 for Friday and Saturday of next week before we go back up to 64 on Sunday. So yeah, go out and enjoy today's this weekend's weather before it starts raining again on monday 75 76 yesterday was perfect yesterday was a perfect day i don't know what the exact temperature was yesterday but it was it was a perfect day all around perfect day and yeah it was just fun to go outside we ate dinner outside last night on the back patio so that was that was pretty fun to do and yeah just enjoyed 
the nice day, the nice weather we had there right now in Urbandale, Iowa. But that's not what we're really here to talk about today. What we're here to talk about today is sports, and we're going to talk about some NFL slash college football. Now, as I said earlier, the draft was last week. Day two of the draft would have been today if we were in last week right now. Around this time last week, we were going over day one of the NFL draft and going over what we thought were surprising winners and losers of the draft, look forward towards day two and all of that good stuff. But we can't do that now because the draft, like I said earlier, was last week. So we can't do that again, but we'll, we will talk about the draft a little bit. We got some numbers we want to get out there And, yeah, let's talk about some fun stuff with some different quarterbacks outside the draft, but we're affected by quarterbacks taking take-in in the draft. So, right now, as we said on this beautiful May Day edition of the Logan Blackman Show, we are going to go over my top five quarterbacks for next year's draft. Next year's draft will be scheduled to take place on April 29th through May 1st. Hopefully... It is a normal draft, so we can all go to the draft and have a blast there. Last year was the highest attended draft of all time. This past year was the most watched draft of all time. Shows how desperate people are to watch some sports. Get any sort of live sports in whatever. If it's a draft, a game, whatever, just gotta watch it. That's why everybody loves The Last Dance, because it wasn't supposed to come out until the summer, but because of all this stuff that's going on right now, it came out a few months early, which is beautiful for everybody. Everybody needed the last dance to come out. But the draft is a lot of people's favorite sporting event of the year outside of actual games and stuff. And for me, that stands true. That is 100% true. I love the NFL draft. And some of you probably get annoyed with me around draft time because of all the stupid mock drafts that I do. But you know what? What we're going to do, and I, it bothers me when people do this. Not, not really bothers me, but it's like, why are we doing this now? But we're going to fall into the same thing that those people are doing as well because we don't have any baseball, we don't have any basketball, we don't have any hockey. Now, we have speculations about certain sports with baseball supposed to kick up around late June is what I saw earlier today, I think is what it said. The NBA, the next season will start in sometime in December, which is beautiful because if you remember a few years ago when they had the lockout, the NBA season started on Christmas Day. That was beautiful. Dad, the NBA season start on Christmas Day. I loved that. My dad loved that. Like, a lot of people liked the NBA starting on Christmas Day. But I would say those are more the casual fans, let alone the diehard fans, would probably want their sport to take place. Right? Because if the NFL locked down and everyone's like, oh, man, football should always start on Thanksgiving, I wouldn't really be a fan because I'd want football to start earlier. But for the casual person to be like, man, this is awesome. All, there's a bunch of games on. For this weekend, this Thanksgiving weekend of football. But realistically, we like to start it at the normal, normal time. But yeah, college football may be a possibility to start up in spring. So this might not even be relevant for next year if the football season gets pushed all the way back to spring. Because one thing we do know is that there will be a college football season. Whether it is in the fall or in the spring or whenever. They're not going to straight up cancel college football. And I'll tell you why. I will tell you why. Because college football is the main source of money for all these universities. Like, I know maybe a lot of you, maybe a lot of you, I don't really know. doesn't really work. Maybe a lot of you 
play spring sports. Maybe some of you play spring sports. But if we're being 100% honest with you, if I'm being 100% honest with you, your sport to the NCAA means diddly squat compared to football and basketball. Football is the number one sport in America. It is the most watched sport in America. It is the most attended sport in America. I wrote a paper on Wednesday, which is why I couldn't do the show, about COVID-19 and the effects it could have on the football season. And the the NFL, last year, attendance averaged 66,000. The next closest was baseball with 28,000. Like, football is so highly regarded by everybody. There is going to be a season. They will not straight up cancel football. They straight up canceled the spring sports because they don't generate enough, a lot of revenue. If they generated revenue, we would have spring sports just be pushed into the summer. But you know what? They don't. So the NCAA doesn't really care. We will cancel your sports next year as long as we get a football season in. There's not going to be 100,000 people going to Alabama for an Alabama baseball game. I don't even know if Alabama has baseball there. There are going to be 100,000 people going there for an Alabama football game. That is what their stadium holds, around 101,000. So it's like, there will be football. Whether it's in spring or fall, we all hope fall, but spring would be great as well. You had NFL in the fall and then college in the spring. That's like a perfect year. But we would all like college and pro football to be next because then we can have the draft at a normal time. If we have it in the spring, we can't really have the draft in April because and then that just screws up everything for the NFL season because – then you can't bring in new rookies to come in. If the if college football season starts in spring, the draft will be because football lasts until August, until January for college football. So that is what? One, two, three, four, five, six months of football. If you start that in, say, March, you're not going to get done until the start of the, fo- the NFL season. So this draft's going to come. These college players can't get into their new teams, and it's just going to be a giant mess. So obviously we hope it just stays in the fall so everything goes smoothly for the next football season and everything. But here are my top five. If let's just say let's pretend that we know the the college football season is going to start in August and end in January, not in March or May, whenever they've been talking about it, and they're going to have a normal draft next year. So here are my top five quarterbacks for next year. I think number one's obvious. It's Trevor Lawrence. I mean he's been the number one quarterback in this draft class. Since his freshman year, that like he, everybody knew he was going to be this great college quarterback. He never lost in high school. He never lost his freshman year of college. He is what you look for in an NFL quarterback. Extremely strong arm, got the size. He's very mobile, and he wins. Like and he plays for a big time college program. I remember when Clemson went to the national championship game with Kelly Bryant, one of my friends who I used to live with last year thought was a big Kelly Bryant fan. I was like, this dude sucks. He's getting carried by his team and he can't throw. It is just what it, their defense was godly. They had good weapons on the outside and he, he just couldn't throw. That's why he transferred from Missouri. And I don't know if he went pro this year, but if he did, he went undrafted, which I think he had to go pro anyways. Cause I don't think, I think he was a senior. He wasn't good. So when Trevor Lawrence came in, it was pretty much a formality that Trevor Lawrence was going to be the starter at Clemson that season. They just prolonged it forever. There was no way they were going to use the redshirt year on Trevor Lawrence in that first year. Trevor Lawrence was a better quarterback, was, is, and forever will be a better quarterback than Kelly Bryant. That's just the way it is. 
And we knew that going into Clemson. And we know that now he's going to go number one next year. It's guaranteed. It's formality at this point. It doesn't matter if he gets hurt or not. If you look at Sam Bradford, Sam Bradford got hurt. He barely played his last year at Oklahoma, but still got drafted number one overall. But he had an injury history that lasted throughout his college career and affected essentially made him a below-average quarterback to average quarterback throughout his entire NFL career. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is like that. Trevor Lawrence has not been injured, to my knowledge, to an serious extent. I've never followed his high school career, so I really don't know if he had any major injuries in high school. College, he's not had one to this point. He's a winner, he's mobile, he's got a cannon arm, and he's huge. he's a really big dude. Skinny, he'll have to put on some more weight for the NFL next year, but he will be the number one overall player in the draft. Number two, again, I think it's pretty much a formality. Maybe we have a surprise here with my number three player, but number two, Justin Fields. Justin Fields is the second best quarterback in the country. Like it's There's one and two, and it's undoubtedly Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. They're unchallenged by everybody else in college football. Trevor Lawrence had himself a considered down year this past year. He'll still be the number one quarterback off the board. Justin Fields had himself an insane year in his first starter starting season at, L- at Ohio State. 41 touchdowns, only three interceptions while throwing th- for 3,200 passing yards in the season. And also rushing for 484 yards and having 10 touchdowns on top of that. Justin Fields is a straight-up baller. He will be, more than likely, unless something crazy happens, the number two quarterback off the board. We might go one and two here, because Jacksonville is going to be looking for a quarterback, and I guarantee the Chicago Bears are going to be looking for a quarterback for not picking up. They're not going to pick up Trubisky's fifth-year option, and they have Nick Foles currently on the roster. Those are the two quarterbacks on the roster. The common knowledge is that Nick Foles will beat Trubisky out in camp, They weren't going to get a guy that would just straight up beat him out. They wanted to have a challenge there because, again, Ryan Pace, his livelihood is riding on Trubisky being good. Quarterbacks hold a lot of people's careers in their hands, not just their own. So if you get drafted, if you get traded up for with the number two overall pick, there's a lot riding on you, not just on your career, but the GM's career as well and the coach's career that drafted you, which Fox got fired because he couldn't fit with Trubisky's style. But – Justin Fields is going to be the second quarterback on the board. I would not be shocked if the Bears took him or my next quarterback, and that is Trey Lance, quarterback from North Dakota State. Not a lot of people know about Trey Lance. I know quite a bit about Trey Lance because I've been follow- I followed UNI Sports more than I ever have last year. I worked at On Press Row, with, who is, which the show was hosted by the UNI Panthers play-by-play voice Gary Rima. So I had to follow a lot of FCS sports, more than I ever had in my entire life. I even talked much more about UNI sports this past fall and this whole year, way more than I did my first year at UNI, my junior year. Trey Lance is a straight-up baller. They run a power-eye formation. They run a power-eye offense. And Trey Lance still rushed for 1,000 yards. You run an eye formation, you have a fullback always in your lineup, and your quarterback still rushes for 1,000 yards? That's insane. Not only did he rush for 1,000 yards, he ran for 14 touchdowns as well. And along with that, he completed about 67% of his passes, threw for 2,700 yards, threw 28 touchdowns, and zero interceptions. 
Zero interceptions. Going on to win the national championship against James Madison. They are the best team in the country. Unchallenged. And Trey Lance is the best player in the FCS. Unchallenged. If we're looking at what he did last year, he, right now, this might be a shocking news to some people because he's in the NFL right now. He's better than Carson Wentz was at NDSU. That's saying a lot. Carson Wentz was an amazing legendary quarterback, is an amazing legendary quarterback from NDSU. From North Dakota. Like, he's, this is his town. That's his team. Trey Lance is insane. He almost threw for 3,000 yards while rushing for over 100. He rushed for exactly 1,100 yards with 14 touchdowns, 28 touchdown passes, and zero interceptions. The zero interceptions thing is what's amazing to me. I don't know how you go through an entire season with zero interceptions. That's absolutely crazy. He's six foot three, 221 pounds, redshirt freshman. He will go out. Our logic says he'll go out next year. And he will be the third quarterback off the board. He's not getting talked about a lot because he is an FCS quarterback. But he's just like the Carson Wentz of the world. He's like a Steve McNair. I mean, this is a lazy one because he's just an FCS quarterback. But Joe Flacco, they're not the same style quarterback. He's more like a Carson Wentz than Steve McNair. Very similar to Steve McNair. Trey Lance's. Because he's more mobile than Carson Wentz's. But going to the same school. But those... Two quarterbacks. Both were top three picks. Carson Wentz went second overall to the Eagles. Steve McNair went third overall to the Houston Oilers, which are now the Tennessee Titans, who just retired his number, which I thought was really cool. Just because you're an FCS quarterback doesn't mean you cannot play. Just because you come out of high school and your biggest offer is from North Dakota State, which is very good football whether or not it's FCS or not, it is very good football, especially in the best conference in the FCS in the Missouri Valley Football Conference with the likes of UNI, with the likes of South Dakota State who are a perennial powerhouse in FCS football. South Dakota is usually very solid in FCS football. You got these very good teams, the strongest conference in FCS, Missouri Valley, best team in the FCS, the best quarterback in the FCS, the best player in the FCS is Trey Lance. Trey Lance will be a top 10 quarterback next year. I would maybe stretching a top 15. Trey Lance is a better quarterback than Jordan Love. But Jordan Love went in the first round, 26 overall. Trey Lance will go above that. I would stretch and say, I don't know. Like, North Dakota State is going into next season starting off with Oregon. So it's going to be a a fun first start of the season. Oregon is without their starting quarterback in Justin Herbert, who went six overall to the Chargers this year. North Dakota State starting off their season at Oregon. They go into the conference play playing at UNI. Trey Lance is a beast. If you haven't watched Trey Lance highlights, go and do it. If you're sitting there going... He's, you, I don't know, if you don't know anything about Trey Lance, just go look him up. Trey Lance is a baller. Trey Lance was the best player in college football on the FCS level and will and should be a top 10 pick in this draft. Maybe a top five. 
He is that good. I watched him play quite a bit last year at North Coast State. Watched him tear apart you and I in the second half. He's a beast. Should be a top 10 quarterback next year. Uh, Next one, I think there's a big drop off from the top three to the next ones. I don't think it's very close. I would put, I think Lawrence Fields and Lance are my tier one quarterbacks for next year. I don't think the next few quarterbacks are on the same level of these guys. These guys are borderline first rounders that I'm talking about. These guys will get taken either early second round or late first round. Uh, Jamie Newman, uh, Georgia quarterback, transferring in from Wake Forest. I'm expecting him to have a much better season. They're not a much better season because he improved a lot from his sophomore to junior season while at Wake Forest. But I think he could go off this year at Georgia. Georgia this year is going in with a new offensive coordinator in Todd Monken. So we'll see how they do with their new style of offense. It'll be a more open style offense. Now, he did have a very, very bad year last year with the Cleveland Browns with a very bad offense there. But they're, yeah, it's just not, I expect him to be better in college than he did at the pro level offensive style. So the offensive court, apparently the offense is going to be more opened up. It was a very held back offense by Kirby Smart last year. So we'll see what they can do next year. Jamie Newman, last year while at Georgia, or at Georgia, at Wake Forest, put up 28 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, very very good stats at Wake Forest. And I I like Jamie New. I think he'll fit in very nicely with the Georgia Bulldogs. I think he'll be a very good addition. Last year, 2,800 yards pass. I was wrong. 26 touchdowns. Completed 60% of his pass. I expect that to go up. And also had a 578 rushing yards, leading Wake Forest in rush attempts with also six rushing touchdowns. He got the size. Jamie Newman's a big dude. He's six foot three, six foot four, two hundred thirty pounds, and can throw a football very, very well. I think he's going to have a very good year this year with the Georgia Bulldogs, and could sneak into that first round conversation. And my last one, my number five quarterback. We'll talk about the other quarterbacks I have on this list as well. But number five, Sam Ellinger from Texas. I think it's very close between Sam Ellinger and Brock Purdy. Sam Ellinger. Uh, I don't want to call him under. Some would consider him overrated. I would lean more to the edge of underrated. He got much better from year one or his second year. He's gotten better each year. Let's just say it like that. Each year, Sam Ellinger has got better. If you look at his passing numbers, first year starting at Texas, 1,900 yards. Second year, 3,200 yards. Third year, 3,600 yards. Touchdowns, 11, then 25, then 32. Rushing yards, 385 482, 663. And that's on one less attempt his junior year from his sophomore year. Now, he did have a lot less rushing touchdowns. He had 16 rushing touchdowns his second year starting at Texas. He only had seven last year, but still very good numbers there running the ball from Sam Ellinger. Now, a lot of people call him annoying, which he, to, to a certain extent, he is, especially with his weird back thing and not having a great season last year as a whole, did the Texas Longhorns. But he's still a very talented quarterback. I think he's more leaning towards the second round, let alone more than the first round. But I could see him creep in to that first round conversation next year at the NFL draft. Brock Purdy, I think, is another quarterback that could go into the first round, maybe if he goes out. 
if he goes out. There's a good chance that he could stay back another year, but he has the talent to be a top quarterback at the next level. It would be a second-round or late, late first-round quarterback, I would expect, if he did go out this next season. And we had this conversation on On Press Row. I'm a lifelong Hawkeye fan, but I don't get how people can honestly say that Nate Stanley's a better pro prospect than Brock Purdy. Because he's not. And that's why Nate Stanley went in the seventh round. I said this all last year, the entire year. Nate Stanley's got the size, he's got the arm strength. He has negative mobility. He is the slowest quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life. And I can get behind the quarterback sneak thing, but as far as mobility goes, it's not even close between him and Brock Purdy. And last year, Nate Stanley had that stereotypical Hawkeye senior year drop-off, like an insane drop-off from the year before to this year. But Brock Purdy went up on his numbers from last year, or his freshman year to sophomore year, almost threw for 4,000 yards, passed for 27 touchdowns, had nine interceptions, also had eight rushing touchdowns. Brock Purdy is a very, very talented quarterback, and if he does go out this year, he there's a good chance he could sneak into the first round. Now, Jason McIntyre had him going like number 10 to the Tennessee Titans or 11 or something like that. I don't see him going that high. I think somewhere around the early second round, late first round is a very reasonable shot for Brock Purdy. Other quarterback, Ian Book, is one on here. Had a, under, had a completion percentage-wise, not great year, but did put up some good numbers. Has a new offensive coordinator this year in Tommy Reese former Notre Dame quarterback who was just the quarterback coach last year. We'll see how he does with a more elevated role at Notre Dame. I like Tommy Reese when he was at Notre Dame. Now he's going in and be the full-time OC. See how he does there. See if Ian Book can get his completion percentage numbers up from last year. Kellen Mond from Texas A&M, good mobile quarterback, physical quarterback, but well, I don't know how he'll do this year. I, I, I've never been a huge fan of him, but he could be in the second-round conversation next year. And Derek King, the thing hurting Derek King is his size. But I think that's kind of the trend's getting kind of bucked away because of the likes of Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield getting drafted number one overall. Derek King has a very similar skill set to that of Kyler Murray. He's not as good of a quarterback as Kyler Murray, but he is a very, very good quarterback bar last year now he's at Miami so we'll see how if he can turn the Hurricanes back around to a somewhat powerhouse but Derek King is a good quarterback he's under six foot I would say he's 510 maybe shorter than that but Kyler Murray was listed 510 and one eighth at the combine Derek King is around that same size I think Kyler Murray's a better pure quarterback than Derek King but Derek King is still a very very good quarterback so those are my top quarterbacks for next year uh, I think the top three are unchallenged. I could interchange uh, four and five and then the rest of the quarterbacks that I mentioned there as well. But one, two, and three are unchallenged for me. I think Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance are the best quarterbacks available in next year's draft. I think you could throw in maybe, I again, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten could all be rotated. I'm not going to be too picky on those. I'm going to be picky about the top three. I think they go in that order as well. Lawrence goes number one overall. 
Fields goes somewhere in the top five, and I think Lance could go somewhere within the. I, well, I think he will go somewhere in the top ten, maybe top five, maybe top seven, more realistic. But those are my picks. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is what it looks like. Um, Justin Fields, I can see. I can just picture him being a Bears quarterback, and then Trey Lance. Uh, who would he go to? The Panthers are an option there. He's from Minnesota. Maybe he goes to the Minnesota Vikings to back up Kirk Cousins, but they just paid him. So that wouldn't be very op that wouldn't be very, very good. Where would Lance go? Because I think Justin Fields, maybe Fields or Lance could go both go to the Bears. The Panthers will be an option. The Buccaneers could be well, the Buccaneers aren't gonna be that high up in the draft, but yeah. I think Lawrence is guaranteed basically guaranteed to go to Jacksonville. And then the Chicago, Carolina. Other teams could use quarterbacks. The Patriots, maybe. Um, but I think Stidham's their guy, so I don't really know about that one. But, yeah, that's what I think the top five quarterbacks are for next year. And the next Joe Burrow. Now, if you don't know what that means, go from someone who was a late-round draft pick to elevate his game to dominate in the next year of college. He didn't have a great year the year before, but dominated this next year. I, and I don't think this quarterback is – a guy that is going to be able to go out this year. He was a true freshman last year. He's been working out with Joe Burrow, with Sam Darnold, with Jordan Palmer, who's one of the best quarterback coaches in the country. I think that's Bo Nix from Auburn. Uh, he didn't have a great year last year. Had a solid year in his first year starting at his boyhood school, his favorite school growing up, where his dad played. I think he'd go off this year. They're like 16 touchdowns last year. They're getting a new offensive coordinator in Chad Morris. Now, for those SEC fans out there, I am well aware Chad Morris was the terrible head coach in Arkansas. First full-time head coach in Arkansas history to lose every single conference game. Didn't win a single game. Went 0-14 in conference play. But I think as an offensive coordinator, you can look at it and go, this guy actually had some success in OC. And there's people, there's a lot of people out there that make great coordinators that are terrible head coaches or just not good head coaches. Look at Norv Turner is a prime example of that. Really good offensive coordinator. Head coach, not that good. Used the talent around him to have a good team while in San Diego, but didn't really do anything in his time as the head coach of the San Diego Chargers. But Morris, going into this year, was a former offensive coordinator for the Clemson Tigers and helped turn Clemson around at before his arrival Clemson was combined 5 15 and 12 and a six added six and seven record in 2010 he arrived in 2011 Morris introduced a hurry up spread offense that helped Clemson to a 42 and 11 mark over the next four seasons he was the highest paid assistant coach in college football next to his now boss Gus Malzahn and Clemson gave him a six-year contract before eventually going to I believe SMU after that but if you look at the quarterbacks he had at Clemson the first year, the year before he was there, Kyle Parker, 2,200 yards, 12 touchdowns, 11 picks. Taj Boyd was the backup. Next year, Taj Boyd, 3,800 yards, 33 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. The next year, then you go 3,800 yards, 36 touchdowns. Completion percentage went up. Then you go to the next year, 3,800 yards again. Completion percentage went up again, 34 touchdowns. And then... You go to his next year with Deshaun Watson. There, 14 touchdowns, two picks, 1,400 yards, kind of 
easing him into the starting spot with Cole Strout. And yeah, he had success at Clemson as an offensive coordinator with the spread offense that they could be implementing at Auburn. I think Bo Nix could have himself a very, very nice second year starting. I, th- I almost put Ian Book here, but Ian Book did have some decent numbers last year. But I think he could have a much better year this year with the help of Tommy Reese as the full-time offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to see what happens with these quarterbacks next year. It's always interesting to see what quarterbacks what quarterbacks do in year two in their second year as a starter. It's always fun to see. So we'll see what these kids can do next year, see if Bo Nix can really live up to the hype that I threw upon him this year. But he's he's shown he's got a lot of work ethic. He wants to be better. He reached out for a spring break and went with Jordan Palmer. He's worked out with Joe Burrow, worked out Sam Darnold, who are quarterbacks in the NFL, top five picks in the draft, top three picks in the draft, I guess you could say. So you show he wants to get better. I think he could be a lot better this year, and Auburn might be a force to be reckoned with this year. In Alabama, I bet their quarterback's going to be Bryce Young, that quarterback from Matter Day. It's going to be a fun matchup between him and Bo Nix next year. While there, or Mac Jones. It's going to be Mac Jones or um, Bryce Jones. But I think Bryce is going to get the starting job at Alabama next year. And those quarterbacks might get drafted in a year or two or in a while, maybe first round draft picks. And some of the numbers were released for rookies around the league. Here's just some notable ones. Like Joe Burrow, guys, number nine. Chase Young, 99. Justin Herbert, guys, number 10. Isaiah Simmons, number 48. And CeeDee Lamb got number 88, but he wanted number 10, but Jerry Jones wanted him to wear number 88 to go along with the likes of Michael Irvin and Des Bryant with the legendary Cowboys receivers that I've worn. Drew Pearson, I think, wore an 88 as well. So you got just some legendary wide receivers of the Cowboys all wearing away 88. And it's a big honor for the owner of the Cowboys to have you to say, hey, wear this number. Might be a little heavy, but I think you can handle it. And he's going to be wearing 88. A court, uh, player, those are just some numbers that I saw. Maybe there's other. There's definitely others. AJ Epinesa is wearing 57, but that's going to change come the football season. This is just a, a start of the season number. Once everybody gets cut, then he'll get his proper number for next year. Cause it's just It just looks weird seeing him in number 57. But a player that hasn't got a number yet, a lot of speculation what his number could be is Tua Tagovailoa, the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. Obviously, for many reasons, can't wear number 13. One, the big reason, Dan Marino wore 30. It's retired. He can't wear it. So, he has to find a new number. Uh, The next logical number there for Tua is number 12. Because he wore that in the U.S. Army All-American game. His brother wore number 12 in high school. But then you go, oh, wait, no. Bob Greasy wore number 12. So there's two numbers that would be logical choices for Tua, at least in my book, maybe he has other numbers, that would be options, but can't because they're both retired. Uh, So here are some numbers I think he could choose going into next season. Number one, I think it's an obvious one, but I don't think Tua would actually choose number one. Maybe he does. I don't know, but that's just an option there. You don't see a lot of quarterbacks wear number one anymore. Warren Moon wore one. Kyler Murray wears number one now. But it's more of a kicker-puncher number more than a quarterback number. But he could wear number one next year. Don't don't rule it out. Uh, number eight, I think, is a number option here. 
with Marcus Mariota and him both going to the same high school. Maybe he rocks number eight to honor the legend that was Marcus Mariota in his time at Oregon and at the time at St. Louis High School in Hawaii. Maybe he does that. Number nine, random number. So maybe that's an option there as well. So just get another random option in there. Um, what other numbers? A random double-digit number because if you remember Jarrett Stidham last year wore number 58 for his first number. And Tua said he'd ran, he'd wear whatever number. He said 78, 99. That was the main reason I put number nine in there because of his quote said he'd wear number 99. And they're just throwing number nine in there. But I don't really have any logic behind that other than the fact that he said he'd wear number 99. So maybe he wears some stupid double digit number for the first weeks or something like Stidham did last year. But the number I think he should pick, the number I'm giving to a tag available for next year is number five. Why number five, Logan? Jake Rudock, legendary Michigan and Iowa quarterback. Jake Rudock already wearing number five. Why would they give up his number like that? Well, first, I don't think Rudock really care what number he has because he's the four-string quarterback right now. I think he'd just be fine giving up his number to first-round quarterback. He has no connection to number five, to my knowledge. Go back to number 15 if you can get that number from a wide receiver. I can't remember which receiver has it, but one of them has it. I can't remember which one. Number five in Miami Dolphins history is a legendary number. You look back at Ace Ventura, one of the greatest movies of all time. Ray Finkel, kicker for the Miami Dolphins. Now cop, police chief. War number five for the Miami Dolphins. Legend, get the curse of Ray Finkel out of the Miami Dolphins. Laces out, Dan. Get that number to number five. Also, to his brother, where's number five at Alabama? So I think that could be another pick there as well. But number five, just because of Ray Finkel, I think it'd be a funny number to wear if you're a Dolphins player. And he was the fifth overall pick in the draft. So there's another logical pick there. Your your number one draft, your place where you were drafted, fifth, and then your court, your brother wears number five at Bama, and then Ray Finkel. Just pay Rudock some money to give him the ditched number, and then you could get that number. The Ray Finkel connection. Would just be great. If I got drafted by the Dolphins in the first round, I would ask for number five if my number was retired, which it is. I wore number 12, which Bob Greasy had it, so I'd have to choose a number. Five would be my option because Ray Finkel laces out Dan. Logic goes in there. But, yeah, that was, he doesn't have a number yet, so we'll have to, we can only speculate on what Tua's number will be going into next season. And a quarterback we mentioned already whose number was Joe Burrow, who had his jersey sent to him Wednesday night before the draft by owner Mike Brown, the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think the Bengals did Joe Burrow, they did, they, they did him dirty with by doing this thing they are going to talk about in a little bit. I think it would have helped Joe Burrow immensely during in his, um, what do you want to call it, his introduction year to the NFL, easing him in. I think that's a really dumb decision by the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll talk about that coming up right after this. All right, everybody. We got. I would say we have about like a, a half hour or so left in this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on the Basement Podcast. So we will try to get through everything as quickly as possible because I still got a lot more stuff I want to talk about before today's show is done and over with. I... I got quite a bit left. And what we left off on talking about before the last break 
was about Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals getting rid of somebody that I thought would be very beneficial to Joe Burrow, and that is Andy Dalton, the Red Rocket, Andy Dalton. Uh, Bengals fans had mixed feelings about Andy Dalton, but right now it's kind of like one of those situations where you don't realize what you had until he was gone. And that's what Andy Dalton was. A lot of Bengals fans were, there's he, like I said, mixed feelings about Andy Dalton. Never won a playoff game while in Cincinnati, but was the face of the franchise for what? About eight or nine years, 10 years. Started 16 games for the Bengals a bunch of different times throughout his career. Was the day one starter in Cincinnati in 2011. Came in with A.J. Green in the same draft. Uh, threw for 31,000 yard, 31, yards, my bad, in his time in Cincy with 204 touchdowns and 118 interceptions while completing a, uh, 62% of his passes. Never came off the bench in his time in Cincinnati. 133 games played, 100 or 133 starts played in four playoff games. All started, all four of them, all of them ended up in losses. But Andy Dalton is the guy that was holding the torch for Cincinnati for those times, and now he's gone. Now reports were some. Well, there was conflicting reports. Some say they were just releasing. Others said he asked for the release. Haven't really heard about the specifics of the situation, but. It looks like the Bengals, much like they did with Andy Dalton in 2011, are just going to go into the season with Joe Burrow as the day one starter. In that first season with Andy Dalton, the Bengals finished 9-7, lost in the wild card game to the Houston Texans 31-10. But, yeah. And they did the same draft style as they did with Andy Dalton that year when the Bengals drafted Dalton. They took him in the second round. They drafted A.J. Green in the first round. And much like... That draft, the Bengals went in and drafted a quarterback and a wide receiver for their new quarterback. So if you look at what the Bengals have on the outside or just weapons in general, there's no reason this team couldn't push around 500 this year. I know they won two games this past year, but they could, they have talent. This team is not lacking talent. That that is what we shouldn't be looking at here. Last year, they took Jonah Williams in the first round, did not play a single snap last year. They had A.J. Green, one of the best wide receivers in all of football, did not play a single snap last year. They have players. So now you got Joe Burrow with Joe Mixon, with Tyler Boyd, with T. Higgins, who's wearing number 85, which will be interesting to see how that one goes, and A.J. Green. You got yourself a very talented offensive weapon, a bunch of weapons on offense. You got Jonah Williams coming back to help protect the blind side of Joe Burrow if they keep him at offensive tackle. Other players you got still got Giovanni Bernard in there. Catch the ball in the backfield. Who do you got at tight end? You got some decent tight ends there. None that will really shock anybody. We'll go like, oh, this guy is a really good tight end, a really good guy. CJ Ozuma might be the main guy there for Cincinnati. Maybe I'm missing out on somebody there. You got Auden Tate back. John Ross was out a lot last year. You got pieces on this offense to be successful. Billy Price, a former first-round draft pick from Ohio State. Jonah Williams, as we said, first-round draft pick from last year. Geno Atkins is still there. Carlos Dunlap is still there. Like You've got decent pieces. Your defense still isn't great, but your offense is building a little bit. Now, Burrow is going to go in, as we would assume, to be the day-one starter in Cincinnati because 
It's definitely not going to be Ryan Finley. It's not going to be Jake DeLaglia. I don't even know if I said that name right. But Joe Burrow will be day one starter in Cincinnati. Which, to Bengals fans, that could be a good thing and a bad thing because I feel that the best thing... But this is this is where it gets interesting because you know he's going to be the day one starter. Kyler Murray was the day one starter in Arizona. Had Brent Hundley there. The thing that I think is not great for Burrow, I think he can overcome it because I think he's that talented, is not having that veteran presence there with him already there. Whether it's a backup or whether it's a guy that he can learn from the starting job from. That's what I would like to see happen with Joe Burrow next season. But going into this year, as I said, Ryan Finley is not going to be your guy that can coach him up. He's only been in the league for a year, and I don't even know how to say the other guy's name. So who do you look out for if you're the Bengals? That's why I thought Andy Dalton would be very good there because Dalton even said he'd be fine backing up Joe Burrow. I think he would have been perfect, whether you're going to go in with the season starting with Joe Burrow or not, I think Andy Dalton would have been perfect and it would have been better served for Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals to keep Andy Dalton there. I talked about this before, about Andy Dalton has been in the city for eight or nine years, was the face of the franchise, started every single game in his time in Cincinnati, never came off the bench. He didn't play every game, but he's every game he could, he started. And they went, he's been there, he's done it, He's familiar with the coaching staff, though a year, it's still familiar with them, and he can get him adjusted to life in the locker room. Whether he was going to start the season or not was different. I didn't know if they would go into the season starting with Dalton or going with Burrow. It's clear now they're going into the season starting with Joe Burrow as the number one guy because you're not going to go into the season with Ryan Finley starting at quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. He didn't show show anything – in the time he started in Cincinnati. And the only reason I feel like he even went in is because Andy Dalton was the only thing that was keeping the Bengals close to winning. Andy Dalton was a top five passing was top five in passing yards before he got benched. Ryan Finley comes in because they were trying to lose. They were trying to lose as many games as possible. I don't think it's because they thought he was playing bad. Quite the contrary. They were trying to get worse. <laughs> but now, as I said, Burrow, day one starter. But now, instead of having that veteran presence there, it's Ryan Finley. Now, if you look at the quarterbacks that have got drafted since, let's go, like, to 2018, they've all had a somewhat of a veteran presence. If not, they have struggled in that first year, like a solid veteran presence. Like, you look at the bank, the 2018, Baker Mayfield had Tyrod Taylor there. And he also had Drew Stanton there. I'm not going to forget. I forgot about Drew Stanton, but they had Drew Stanton there as well. He's been a career backup, been around the league for many, many years. Sam Darnold had Josh McCown and Teddy Bridgewater. We forget that the Jets had Teddy Bridgewater there. He was just there for the preseason, but still valuable presence there for that short time he was there with Darnold. Sam obviously went into the season start, day one starter. Out of all the quarterbacks that had drafted in the first round, he was the only day one starter. I think that could have been the same with Burrow with Dalton there, but that's beside the point. Josh Allen struggled a little bit at times in his rookie year and had to develop on the fly because the Bills had... Nathan Peterman and AJ McCarron, and they traded AJ McCarron before the season even started. So they went into the season with Nathan Peterman, which the locker room didn't really like anyways, and had no faith in him anyways. And Josh Allen went in before he was even ready. They every a lot the consensus was Josh Allen was the big, biggest project 
out of all the draft pick, out of all the quarterbacks in that first round. He had all the abilities, he had all the tools to be a beast in the NFL. He just needed time to adjust. He didn't have that time because he had Nathan Peterman there, and obviously we knew Nathan Peterman was going to get benched at some point or another. If you want to find a better preseason quarterback, I don't think you will because Nathan Peterman was a beast in the preseason, but that's about it. Uh, Rosen had Sam Bradford, veteran presence there. I know it didn't work out for Rosen in Arizona, but that's mostly because of Cliff Kingsbury wanting Kyler Murray. I'm not going to peg all of that on Josh Rosen. And Lamar Jackson, though they're different styles, had Joe Flacco and Robert Griffin III who was a very similar style quarterback to Lamar Jackson, and was Lamar Jackson before Lamar Jackson was Lamar Jackson. 2019, Kyler Murray had Brett Hundley, who had been the backup to Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson before coming to Arizona. Had been in the league for about five years at that time. Daniel Jones had Eli Manning. Dwayne Haskins, out of those quarterbacks, had the work. He had Case Keenum, who was a below-average quarterback except for that one year in Minnesota, I think he would have been much better served if Alex Smith didn't break his leg the last season against the Texans. I think if Alex Smith stayed in, I think Dwayne, we're looking at Dwayne Haskins a little differently than what we do now. I think Dwayne Haskins could be a very good quarterback in the league, but I think he would have learned much better from Alex Smith as opposed to Case Keenum. And then this year, you have Tua with Ryan Fitzpatrick, you have Justin Herbert with Tyrod, and Jordan Love with Aaron Rodgers. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But Burrow, I thought, would need or would like a guy like an Andy Dalton in there to help ease him into the pros. Not start over him, but help him ease into the pros. Like, give him advice while on the sideline the entire. Coach him up on the sideline. But now they don't have that. So we're just throwing him into the wolves, which to some people, getting thrown into the wolves is the best learning experience. It's the best way to learn on the fly. It's the best way to learn. So that's what the Bengals, I think, are doing there. I think Joe Burrow's talented enough. I think the Bengals do have some weapons for Burrow to have some success in year one. But we'll have to wait and see how the full season goes. But I would have liked them to keep Andy Dalton there. And it'll be interesting where Andy Dalton goes because he is a veteran president of the NFL. He's not a starter anymore. We knew that going in. He is a guy that could push the guy. That's why I thought he'd be perfect for the Bears. I thought Andy Dalton would be that perfect quarterback to help push Trubisky. And if not push him, replace him like Tannehill with Marcus Mariota. That was a very similar situation there. I think Tannehill's more talented than Andy Dalton, but Dalton has had some success as a starting quarterback in the NFL. So I thought he would be very nice for him. And eventually, for Trubisky, and if not with Trubisky, didn't replace him. I think Nick Foles is more of a situational quarterback. He has worked with Matt Nagy before, so that's not a surprise there. But I just thought Dalton would be better served going there. And they went, if they waited a little bit, Dalton got released and could have just gone up to Chicago and wouldn't have cost the Bears a thing. But they traded away a fourth for Nick Foles, and now some Bears are a little upset, especially with the quarterbacks that have been available, like Jameis, who just signed a one-year deal with the Saints, Cam Newton and Andy Dalton now all still available, who are all... I know Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. I'm not discrediting the Super Bowl. But is he a better quarterback than Dalton, Newton, and Winston? No, I don't think so. Dalton has his flaws. I still think he's a better overall quarterback. He just got stuck in Cincinnati. But where will Andy Dalton play? Now, the betting favorite right now is the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, as of right now, I need to double-check this because I honestly do not know what the where the Jaguars stand as far as their current quarterback depth chart. I know they are going to go into the season with Gardner Minshew as the starter. Doug Marone came out today and said, Gardner Minshew, yeah, yeah, 
He's our franchise guy, or he's our guy. No doubt about it. He didn't say it like that. I'm just saying it like that because I'm leaning back in a chair right now. He probably said it. I didn't watch the quote. I just saw it on Twitter. But Minshew is going into the season starting. And right now, the Jaguars sit with Josh Dobbs, who was a quarterback at Tennessee and then Pittsburgh before getting traded to Jacksonville. And then Jake Luton, who was a quarterback from Oregon State, sixth-round pick, had some decent success while at, I mean, decent, like, very decent success. Like, it was Oregon State, so you're not going to be competing for national championships. But in his last year, he threw for 28 touchdowns and only three picks. So... He's got legit size, six foot six, two hundred twenty four pounds. So you got another option there. But if you want Andy Dalton, I think that'd be very good. That'd be that be in Minshew's best interest to get him. If not, you want to ride the wave with Minshew and the three, the other two quarterbacks he have. You're gonna get Trevor Lawrence next year. I don't think Minshew's going into this year thinking that the Jaguars are dead set on him as a starter for the long long term. So. He's going to have to work his tail off. If he wants to buck the trend that Trevor Lawrence is going to Jacksonville, he's going to have to perform on a level that he might not be used to performing at. He's going to have to work the hardest he's ever worked, play the hardest he's ever played, because if not, he's the Jags will have no problem going with Trevor Lawrence, number one. If Minshew balls out, they might have to think about it a little bit more. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But will Andy Dalton be the guy for Jacksonville? I don't know, because if the Jags really want to tank that bad, because their defense isn't good, they really have no pieces. They got Clavon Chison, which I like. They got C.J. Henderson, which I like. Josh Allen's there, which I like. But they're going to trade away Ngakwe at some point. If not, I can't see him being on the team. They got D.J. Chark there. LaVisca Chenault came in the second round. D.D. Westbrook's there. They've got pieces. Colin Johnson from Texas. Then they got Leonard Fournette. Depends on if they trade him or not. But the defense is not great. They're slowly building it back up with the likes of C.J. Henderson, Josh Allen, and Clavon Chison. But their offense is not terrible. And it's kind of crazy to think about, but Justin Blackman is still technically on the roster. <laughs> Remember him? Wide receiver from Oklahoma State. He's still technically on the roster. So he could still come back at some point. But, yeah. Would Andy Dalton go there? Or will the Jags ride the way with the quarterbacks they got and just wait for Lawrence next year? I think that's... That's what my gut's telling me, but my gut's been wrong many, 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 many times before. Uh, the New England Patriots are another one. I think he'd just be a backup to Stidham, but again, I think they got the guy that could be the backup to Stidham and Brian Hoyer, who's familiar with the Patriots system, who's been in New England. Like, he's in New England, then leaves, then comes back, then leaves, then comes back, then leaves, and comes back. Like, that's just Brian Hoyer's career. I think he's the guy that the Patriots want to help coach up Stidham, because I think they do kind of like Stidham, because... People forget this. I said this on Monday. Stidham has talent. Stidham would have been a top, two, top what, two-round quarterback if he went out this year. But he was a fourth to fifth-round pick last year. I think he was a fifth-round pick. He has talent. He balled out at Baylor. He balled out at Auburn. He has skill. People overlook that because it's not Tom Brady. I don't think the Patriots are really freaking out about that. To be honest, I think they're fine with the two quarterbacks they got. They might go after Jacoby Brissett because the report are, reports are Jacoby Brissett will find his way back to New England. He played there for his first two years in the league. I think it was two years or one year. I can't remember. Before traded to Indianapolis. So maybe he finds his way back. But Stidham's not a bad option. I think Dalton would be the backup to Stidham. And another option, I think, is 
the Buffalo Bills. I think Andy Dalton is a much better backup than Matt Barkley. I think it's not even close on skill level-wise. But Andy Dalton is a Buffalo legend. He's never played a snap for the Bills. He is a Buffalo legend. He would be loved by the Buffalo Bills and their fans. He's the reason the Bills got to the playoffs in the first place. Everyone goes, oh, Tyrod Taylor led the Bills to the playoffs. He did not. Andy Dalton and the Chargers not having a kicker got the Bills to the playoffs, not Tyrod Taylor, which a lot of people like to assume that but never really actually watched it. I think Tyrod Taylor was a scapegoat for the Nathan Peterman things, but the Bills' offense was not working very well, and their defense couldn't stop anybody, so they just needed a change. Turned out Peterman wasn't the guy. But Tyrod Taylor did not lead the Bills to the playoffs. Did not get that switched up because he didn't. Because uh, if you watch the playoff game, it was one of the worst games I've ever watched in my entire life. But Andy Dalton would be a hit in Buffalo. He'd be an absolute hit in Buffalo. I think he'd fit in perfectly. He would slot right in behind Josh Allen. And then the because Matt Barkley, they're going to have to pay Matt Barkley this offseason. If you just go out and get Andy Dalton, then you don't have to pay Matt Barkley anymore. I think Josh Allen really likes Matt Barkley. But if Josh Allen gets hurt, we saw this in the New England Patriots game last year, the first one. Matt Barkley is not the guy the Bills want to come in if Allen gets hurt. Which is a possibility because he runs hard. And he is he can get hurt. He got hurt last year. Though he was only out for that the remainder of the game. He gets hurt. He got hurt his rookie year. He got hurt last year. But Matt Barkley is not the guy I really trust going in. If we're going up against the Patriots again, I would much rather have Andy Dalton in than Matt Barkley. I love Matt Barkley. But I'm just being honest here. So I would love to see Andy Dalton come to the Buffalo Bills. Cam Newton, on the other hand, his market, I don't really know what it is. Is he going to be a starter? Is he going to be a backup? I've heard numerous teams get linked to Cam Newton. The one that I said back in the, uh, when was this? Was it early, late January, something like that? Earlier this year, can't remember what month. I had Cam going to the Washington Redskins to reunite with Ron Rivera. There's still the possibility of the LA Chargers there, but I think the Chargers really like Tyrod Taylor. So I, don't, I think that option's out the window. So would the Redskins be an option there? They signed, they traded for Kyle Allen to back up Dwayne Haskins. So would they take Cam Newton on there and just recreate the uh, the Carolina Panthers quarterback room in Washington, D.C.? Or would he go to Pittsburgh? Similar skill set to what Cam Newton is, big physical quarterback, a lot more mobile than Cam. When, Cam first, when, uh, when Ben first came in the league, Cam, or, jeez, oh, I'm mixing him up. Ben was very mobile. He would run a lot. He has a cannon arm like Cam. Cam's is just a lot less accurate. But I think Cam could be a very nice fit in Pittsburgh. And then obviously the next one is Jacksonville, which I don't think that's happening because when Leonard Fournette came out and said that, he was instantly put on the trade block. So I don't think that is happening. But there's a chance it does happen if Minshew gets hurt, go out and sign Cam. When Cam will sign, I don't know. Will it be midway through the season? I don't know. Will it be the start of the season? I don't know. I think it's more likely that Dalton signs at the start of the season because he knows what his role is going to be going into the season. Newton is dead set on being a starter, but not a lot of these teams around the league are dead set on a starter or need a starter. I don't think the Patriots are 
Like people keep linking the Patriots to him. When it when is the can't when has Bill Belichick ever gone out and gotten a quarterback like Cam Newton before? Like even to back up Tom Brady. That's why I think Stidham's the guy they really like there. So I think they're fine with Jarrett Stidham there. But for Cam, I don't know what his market is. I don't like there was people linking him to Philadelphia, but they got Jalen Hurts now, a smaller version of Cam. Seattle might be an option there as well to back up Russell Wilson. Like, I don't know where he'll go. I don't know what fits him. Washington makes the most sense because he's got his former head coach, but I don't even know if he wants him that bad. I don't really know where Cam will go. I would like to see Andy Dalton go to Buffalo, but I don't know where Newton will go. That's the part that's weirding me out. And speaking of on quarterbacks in different situations, will Aaron Rodgers be in a situation, different situation next year? This year he'll be in Green Bay, but next year will he be somewhere different? Brett Favre came out and said he sees Rodgers gone. Brett Favre was gone after three years. I don't think Rodgers is going to – will Rodgers stick around for three years? The, the, the connection between Rodgers and the Packers has always been a weird one. It's never been a really tight-knit connection there in Green Bay. Never really defended Rodgers, never really helped out Rodgers, obviously this year. And the, apparently the message they send to Rodgers by drafting Jordan Love is that we run this. Then you. We run this show. So where could Rodgers go? I think some destinations are like the Raiders, I think, could be a destination there. If they don't want Derek Carr, which I think they still do like Derek Carr. I don't know why everybody keeps linking him out, but that's the constant link. So if he leaves, Rodgers comes in. Then you got... The 49ers, they were talking about getting Tom Brady this offseason. If they want Rodgers, make up for the mistake they did by drafting Alex Smith instead of Rodgers and do rewrite that wrong. And the one everybody fears is the New England Patriots. Could Aaron Rodgers end up on the New England Patriots? It's what everybody fears. Nobody wants to see that happen. But could it happen? That's the scary thing. No one wants it. But it could very well happen. And Aaron Rodgers, I would not be surprised if he did leave or wanted to go. Because if you look at, I saw this on Twitter the other day. Aaron Rodgers has thrown one touchdown pass to a first-round draft pick. One. That was to Mercedes Lewis last year. He's thrown one touchdown pass to a first-round pick. Rodgers would have taken a wide receiver in the seventh round. Didn't get one. He got his replacement in the third-string running back. But the Packers, again, message, they we run this. Reports are that Matt LaFleur is also done or is tired, is fed up with Aaron Rodgers' attitude. They've never been a perfect fit in Green Bay, Rodgers and the Packers. Never been a great fit. Will Rodgers want out of Green Bay? Maybe. We'll have to wait and see on that. If he goes to the Patriots, good Lord. That is not what anybody around the league wants. And Rodgers still has some good football life. He's only 36. I say only 36. Compared to the other legend quarterbacks that are still in the league, he's younger than Brady, Breeze, and Rivers, and Roethlisberger. So, and Rodgers is better than those guys as of right now. At this point, well, he's not better than Breeze. But if we're talking about the here and now, only Breeze out of those old quarterbacks is better than Rodgers. Rodgers still got some playing time left. He's not done. He's not ready to retire. He's nowhere close ready to retire, but he retires in his 40s. That's four more years. 
I don't see him playing out those all four years in Green Bay. Especially with Jordan Love knocking on the door, which is a quarterback that Matt LaFleur was dying to get, according to reports. Rodgers will not play out these four years in Green Bay. Where he'll play, I just pray it's not New England. I just hope I hope and pray it's not going to be the New England Patriots. And on that note, we're going to log off here on this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. It's 2 o'clock right now here in Urbandale, Iowa, and my laptop's about to die. So let's end the show here. Hopefully you all enjoyed the show today. Go listen to the podcast. Go follow the Twitter account at the underscore LB underscore show. Logan Blackman Show on Instagram. Search it, and the search bar should pop up. Go like the Facebook page. We're almost, almost at 100 likes, 98 likes on the Facebook page. Go do that. Go follow my personal Twitter account, Logan underscore Blackman. And, yeah, that's all I've got for you today on this Friday. Enjoy your weekend, and I will see you guys on Monday with another great show. Peace.